0: Christian Parenting Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I am so happy to be back with another solo episode. As each month of 2022, we are covering one chapter, one topic from my book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Now, I've had so much fun and been so grateful for the awesome response I've had in January and February, covering the first two topics, which the first one was a connection that lasts, talking about the building blocks of a healthy relationship with your son, And then in February, we talked about training grounds, boundaries, freedoms, and discipline, which has been a very popular chapter in Boy Mom. But today we get to chapter four, which is my favorite and a topic I am the most passionate about. It is called the beginning of wisdom nurturing faith. And this is my heart of hearts. So I can't wait to dive in and share some highlights. All I'm doing in each of these episodes is just sharing some of my uh, highlights from the chapter, a few of the points that you will find in the book. Of course, if you want to dive deeper, you would need to read the whole chapter. And hopefully many of you have, and this is just some good reminders. If you haven't yet, there will be a link in show notes to Amazon and all the places that you can get a copy of Boy Mom. Also, if you enjoy listening, It is my voice reading the book on Audible, so you can listen to it as you drive or exercise or whatever you like to do. That was really fun to record that, but it's been really fun to record these just short highlight uh, episodes where we're covering one chapter a month for the year 2022. Okay, now before I dive in and talk about chapter four, I want to remind you that on April 8th, there is the Christian Parenting Perfectly Imperfect Parenting event. It is online, all digital. There are so many great speakers covering really important, practical topics. And once you get a ticket to that event, you have to the end of 2022 to watch all of the speakers. Now, some of us will be binge watching. I can't wait to catch so many of these. Bob Goff is the keynote speaker, and he's always so much fun. Um, I'm in there talking about raising kids of character given three practical ways we can raise kids of character but you don't want to miss these. Everyone has loved them Uh, last fall, the spring before. They've been going for a couple of years and they're always really, really good. Now you can use this link to go over and get your tickets now. Go right over to boymom.perfectlyimperfect.org. Again, boymom.perfectlyimperfect.org. And you can check out the speakers, the topics, and get your tickets there. Also, I will put a link in show notes. And so that's an easy way to get over there. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for being a part of this podcast community. I've seen some recent ratings and reviews that have really blessed me. Thank you so much for those. If you haven't left a rating or review yet for this podcast, please consider taking just a quick moment to do that. You can hit pause right now, even, and you just scroll down right on your phone and hit those five stars. And if you have a moment, you can leave a few words about what you love most about this podcast. I can't really explain how these things work, but I know that the more ratings and reviews there are just The way the algorithm works, it puts it out there. So more people find the podcast all over the world. And this community has grown so much in the past few months. So it is just a blast to be a part of that. So I want to thank you for your role in that. Okay. Are you ready to dive in? Let's talk about the beginning of wisdom, what it means to nurture our sons in their faith. And this is not a simple topic, but I'm going to do my best. So here we go. I open with a quote from Andy Stanley, says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. I'm going to say that one more time because I love it. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. This is my heart, you guys. This is why I do this podcast. This is why I write books. I really believe that our role as parents is the most important thing we can do, pouring into these kids. And bringing up the next generation who can know and love God is so, so important. Never underestimate your role. As a mom, okay? So I'm going to just read you the opening of this chapter like I like to do. It says After spending time with my teenage boys, a number of younger moms have mentioned to me that they hope their sons will grow up to be like mine. They've noted their thoughtfulness or good manners, and of course, I love to hear these compliments. Some moms then ask a few questions about how I discipline or how I taught my boys to be kind to others. A few of these moms have then added, I want to do whatever you do, except not the God part. Our family isn't into that. Well, though I'm passionate about every chapter in this book, this one is my heart of hearts. And as I've told those genuinely interested yet spiritually disinterested moms, without God as the center of our family's life, I don't think I'd have much to say. Oh sure, I might have raised boys who do well in school or have good manners or know how to manage money, but what makes my boys really amazing, what makes them shine like lights in a dark room... There's one big answer. It's their hearts that have been shaped by their personal relationships with God. I go on to describe the scene, which was going on as I wrote this chapter, and I do love this. I say this morning as I write, It's still early, mostly dark outside with just a soft haze of morning light pouring into my living room. I try to be up early most days so I can get some quiet time to pray and read the Bible before the craziness begins. This is my time alone with God, my computer, a cup of coffee, and a few moments of silence. But I'm not the only one up. Shortly after I settle into the sweet spot of the sofa blanket over my lap, I hear Josiah enter and turn to see his tired but genuine smile. My 18-year-old pours a cup of coffee in his favorite silver mug before he heads out to have a seat on the front lanai. And there he sits, Bible open, journal out, and a pen in his hand. I look up to watch him occasionally and see him scribbling notes in his journal, then bowing his head in silent prayer, a prayer much longer than my own today. Absolutely nothing my son could do or be or accomplish could fill my heart more than this scene morning after morning. No one requires this of him. And no, it's not a new or passing phase either. For at least two years, this has been his routine every morning with few exceptions. I can't help but think back over the past 18 years and all the prayers I've prayed for my boys. Fast forward to today and my heart swells. The joy of seeing him seek God's wisdom every day There just are no words. I'm fully aware that this son is at an age when there is a whole lot of competition for his time and affections. He could be out for an early surf or, more typical of teenagers, he could sleep in. No doubt he knows it. But this son has walked through many seasons, seasons of stress and seasons of doubt, seasons when he just wasn't sure who he was. He has struggled with loneliness and he's experienced disappointments. But in all of it, time with God has been his priority and his soul's anchor. And I'll go ahead and add here today, that son is now 22 and he still starts his day the same way. And I love that so much. He loves his time with Jesus and he especially loves to get out in nature and do it. He'll often go to the beach or somewhere alone and um, just spend time with Jesus as his best friend. So I love that. Now I have a section called It All Starts Here, and I say the most compelling way we can introduce our sons to faith is to live out a vibrant, authentic faith in front of them. Looking over some old journals recently, I found a line that I had scribbled. It says, if you want to ignite a small revolution in your kids' hearts, then you need to experience a big one in your own. So I have prayed for a heart that never loses passion for the Lord. My husband shares a childhood memory that I love. It's one of walking past his parents' room at night and seeing his mom and dad on their knees in prayer. It blew his mind to see these two people, the two people he depended on for all of his needs, kneeling together, looking to someone greater than themselves for their needs. This underscored for him the reality of the faith they were teaching him. So if your heart's desire is for your son to have an authentic relationship with God, then I encourage you to begin with your own. Nothing confuses kids more than when their parents tell them one thing and live another. Kids need real parents living out a real faith. Not a perfect faith, none of us have that, but an authentic one. My husband and I have made it our goal to live such a genuine faith that our boys will look at us and say, I want that. So we need to walk our talk. If I tell my boys that God will fulfill their deepest needs, they should see me looking to God to fulfill mine. If I talk about the importance of spending time with others who sharpen your faith, then I'd better spend time with people who will encourage me in my faith. If I say I believe Jesus' words about loving my neighbor as myself, then I'd best be considering how I treat the people around me. This doesn't mean I must be perfect, and it certainly doesn't mean I pretend to be perfect. Modeling authentic faith, the kind of faith that inspires my kids, means making it my sincere aim to honor God with my life. I want my sons to see me seeking God's direction in all that I do. I want them to see me pray in times of need and thank Him in times of celebration. And if so, I ought to model the life of a genuine Jesus follower. And yet I understand we all get lazy or we get tired. We are overworked. There are so many factors that can affect our time with God, but I encourage everyone listening and everyone who reads this book to take the time to spend with God every day to hear from him and then to put what we're learning into practice because nothing will inspire our kids more than seeing our faith. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode and I want to pause here real quick to tell you about this episode's sponsor, which seems so very fitting. When we are wanting to raise kids of faith, it is important that we have good resources, helpful tools to do the job well. And this episode is brought to you by Crossway and Kevin Young's new book, The Biggest Story Bible Storybook. The Bible is a big book about a great God. From beginning to end, each page tells about the God who created the world, acted in history, and continues to act in the present. And beginning in Genesis and ending with Revelation, Dee Young retells the unified story of Scripture through 104 easy-to-read Bible stories. Each reading is coupled with beautiful illustrations by award-winning artist Don Clark and concludes with a reflective prayer. These are perfect for bedtime stories or for your family to read together. Both children and parents alike will experience afresh, the captivating story of the Bible in an easy to understand, compelling way. You can pick up a copy wherever books are sold or visit crossway.org forward slash plus to find out how you can get 30% off. Now, again, people ask me all the time about helpful resources, things that we use with our kids. I highly recommend you check out The Biggest Story, Bible Storybook. This is something that parents will enjoy and kids will learn so much from. Pick up your copy at crossway.org forward slash plus. And now we'll get back to the episode. go on to share a section about walking in faith as a family. And this is really especially pointing to the early years. So for those of you with young children, this is what I love so much. Kids learn about God at home. Sure, Sunday school is great and eventually summer camp youth groups and church will help them grow. But the best environment for kids to develop spiritual understanding and practice the spiritual disciplines is most definitely in their homes with their families. I love the picture from Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. I'm sure most of you have heard these verses, but they really do set an example. They, They set the scene for what it can look like to follow God throughout the day and to teach our kids to do that. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates. These verses remind us that God is integral to every moment of the whole day. Nurturing our children's faith is not necessarily doing family devotions or compartmentalizing our lives so that our spiritual activities are set aside for one day of the week, and then the rest of the week is when everything else happens. No, all of life is spiritual. Teaching our kids about God can happen quite literally as we sit and walk, when we lie down, when we get up. Isn't that awesome? Spiritual truths can be naturally woven into our family's days as we intentionally place reminders around us. And I think that word is so key, being intentional. If you're thinking about God, if you've spent time with him, if he's meeting your needs, he's going to be on your mind and he's going to come up while you eat breakfast. He's going to come up when you're doing homework. He's going to come up as the kids are doing chores. It will be a natural overflow and I think that is so important. Now we did this in a few different ways. I love that my husband is always spent- Time with my little boys, teaching them a single Bible verse at a time. When they were real little, he had just tucked them in bed at night and practiced one verse over and over. He would start with the real simple ones, and he would keep it light and playful. But he would just work on one verse until they memorized it. And this is something his own father had done with him, and I love that. Also, over the years, uh, we have used devotional books with our boys. We start our day, my husband and I, each doing our own devotion, so they see that as normal, and that's just part of our day. And so then as they're growing up, we'll just have a devotional book or open the Bible and sit with them, read the Bible and pray with them. And then when they get to an age where they can read, they're a little more independent, we ask them to do devotions every day. And I know this is a question some people have. They're like, well, if you tell your kids they have to do devotions, doesn't that make it like legalistic? Doesn't that make them want to resist or rebel? In our experience, that has not been the case at all. In our experience, it's just what we do as a family. It's like I have a whiteboard where I've written, you know, Wake up, brush your teeth, do your chores, do your devotions. It's just a healthy part of life like anything else we ask them to do. There's no question whether or not you brush your teeth. It's just what you do. Well, if you want to have a good day, if you want to have a good life, you need to spend time with God because his word is the bread of life. It is as important as eating food. Let's spend time with God. So it's just something we've always asked them to do and made a part of their day. Now, we're not rigid. There's times where something comes up in the morning and they don't get to do that. If so we just say, oh, let's stop and just pray for the day and invite God to lead us today. Um, but I will put a couple of our favorite devotional books for little boys in the show notes. And sometimes we use them. Sometimes we just read the Bible. As they grow up, one thing that I love to share, because it's been such an important part of our boys' life, is we have asked them to read a chapter of Proverbs every morning. Uh, because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, it's a great way to just go through the month. If they want to know what to read, well, what day of the month is it? Just read that proverb. And then we always make sure that our boys have a journal, because I love to encourage them to develop the habit, the spiritual discipline of journaling. And like Levi, who's 11 right now, I'll say, you know what? Pray read the Bible or do your devotional with some scripture in it, and then write something down. And I'm not picky about what I'm like. You can write a prayer for that day. You can write a verse that stood out to you. We, I do have a really cool journaling template that I'm going to stick in the show notes as well, but a fun way that we sometimes have him journal, but we just want him to write something down. And I think it's just a great uh, habit to develop when they're young. My college boys love to journal now, and they have journaled so many of their prayers and throughout their life, shared things with the Lord. So it's something I try to encourage when they're growing up. Again, not religiously. It's not like every day they have to, but we try to make it as regular as we can. So reading through Proverbs is awesome because Proverbs has so much practical wisdom for the things that are going on in our world, in our kids' lives every day. And if we all know that, you know, it's whatever day of the week it is, it's the 8th or the 16th or the 25th, then at dinner that night, we might say, hey, assuming everyone read Proverbs 16, did you guys get anything good? Because here's what I got. And we'll open up Proverbs. And if they didn't do it that day, that'll make them want to quickly open up Proverbs too. And Grab a verse or two and talk about how that might apply to something going on in our world or in our own lives. So I love using Proverbs. I think they're great for all children, all people, but especially young boys who are growing up in this world. I then go into the gift of community. It's a big world out there. And as boys grow up, they're going to need more voices than just ours as parents to encourage them in maintaining a healthy spiritual life. We've made it a priority to get connected with a church community in all seasons of our family's life. And that extra support has been a tremendous help to my husband and me, and a huge blessing for our kids. And depending on where you live, if you're in a big city or more in the country for us, we just have a couple small churches here on our North Shore, but we have made sure that our boys are plugged in. You know, we check out who are the leaders, what's going on there. We have felt great about it. And then we just make sure that they consistently are part of youth group, that they find a small group to be involved in, a couple of the boys and a leader who they can have some accountability, do a Bible study with, check in with, because we know that sometimes something's going to come up and mom and dad aren't who they want to talk to. But if they have someone else that they can trust, that is super important. Also, just getting to church every week is so great. Now, We just had an episode recently about sports, and I know that sometimes sports interferes with church. We sometimes do miss church because of a surf contest or something important. We try not to, but it does happen. So that's its own topic, where your family wants to go with that. But if we are home and able to, we're in church. We don't do the, I'm tired, let's sleep in, let's go out to breakfast, let's watch church online. I know with the pandemic. A lot of people kind of got used to watching church online, and and there was a time for that, and maybe for whatever reason you're still doing that. But I encourage you to, as a family, be in church. Get those kids there. When they see the community that church offers, it is what we were made for. I don't believe we were meant to be lone rangers in our faith. We need people, and we need to be plugged in. And so as much as possible, we've always tried to host Um, small group Bible studies at our home. We try to host the youth group when we can. Just showing our kids what it looks like to live in a faith community is so important. Okay. Next, I talk about the power of prayer. One of the most important things we can do is to pray for our kids regularly. God created our sons and He knows every detail of their lives. Nothing will shock or surprise God so you don't have to explain things. He gets it. Ask God to give you insight into your son's heart and needs. And then be still and listen. He often will guide you through scripture or circumstances to a better understanding. Sometimes as moms, we just feel paralyzed, like there's really nothing we can do to change our sons or to force them to act or think or speak differently. That's a great thing about prayer. It's something we can do. As we bring to the Lord our concerns and hopes and dreams for our boys, we can leave them there with Him, trusting He has heard us and He cares. Now, I will... Put a couple of my favorite prayer books in the show notes. Since my boys were little, I've used Stormy Omardian's book, The Power of a Praying Parent. Um, it's a great way to just bring specific needs before the Lord and to pray using scripture. Um, Brooke McLaughlin has a couple great prayer books that I'll link to as well. And if I think of others, Uh, but certainly books can be really helpful. Also, just sitting before the Lord and sharing your heart with Him, maybe journaling your prayers to Him. Again, He knows your boys, He knows your kids, He knows your family, and He loves them more than you do, as much as that's hard to believe. Uh, So the other thing I've done is I have prayed for my son's future wives since they were little boys. And I was inspired to do that because my husband told me that his mom taught him to pray for me when he was five years old. So I've tried to pass that on and tell my boys that I'm praying for their future wives and that I hope they are too. And I know that at least a few of them are doing that, especially as they get older and closer <laughs> to the age where they might find her. Um, so it's really special to know that your boys are praying for their future wives. I love that. I want to talk briefly about the topic of responding to questions and resistance, because this is something people ask me about a lot. And I think it's so important. Through the years, my sons have definitely had questions. They occasionally come to my husband or myself, um, wanting to talk through a spiritual concept they're wrestling with. And when they do, we answer their questions, but we also direct them to search out answers for themselves. My husband has always said, doubt is the seed of faith. If what you're putting your faith in is true, then it can handle your questions. Our faith is strengthened when we challenge it because our faith is based not on feelings, but on truth. So we help our boys search for answers. We want them to be critical thinkers. We, we're we not brainwashing them. We're not telling them, just believe it because we say it's true. We're saying, search it out, ask the questions, take the time to look into this, and then they'll come out even stronger. And I think that's really important, though we do want to be there to help them through it, to help point them to the right scriptures and to talk and to listen. I think that's super important. Um, but we do need to remember that every human has a free will. So we can model and teach and train and pray for our boys daily, but there's still a chance that they're going to choose not to follow Jesus. I've seen too many amazing Christian parents whose kids have left the church and their faith to be fooled into thinking it's not a possibility. Although I shudder to think about it, I know this is true. And I do believe the more authentic we are in our own faith and the more consistent we are in our spiritual disciplines, the more likely our kids will be to choose the same path. But sadly, there are no guarantees. We can do our very best to inspire, teach, and train, and the rest is going to be between them and God. So I just want to encourage you in this way to know that your job is to parent well, to love God, and to do everything you can do, but then you also need to let go and let God do His job, something that you can't do, that I can't do. Now, rest assured that it's not unusual for a teenager to push back on family values or priorities as part of asserting his independence. However, this doesn't mean you should just let him pull away without any input from you. I highly recommend that you talk to your son about his feelings and acknowledge his growing independence consider giving him some freedom to make choices in how to be involved in a spiritual community. Instead of allowing him to opt out of church completely, I encourage you to find ways. Maybe give him a list of options for how he could be involved. If he's musical, he might look into playing in the worship team at youth group. If he loves computers, you can direct him to meet with those in charge of technology in the church to pursue training or an internship. Now, some kids aren't going to feel like they fit in at youth group right away. I know my boys initially just were like, I don't know, I just am not connecting with these kids. But the longer they went and got to know kids, they became their closest friends. But for those who don't, there are kids who are going to thrive more working alongside some role models in their church's sound or lighting team. There may be some other role where your son feels more comfortable. So think creatively about how to keep your son in an environment that will support healthy spiritual growth. Real ministry can happen over musical chords. Technical gadgets are setting up chairs before church. So I suggest talking to a pastor or leader about your son and his interests or concerns. There's a good chance he'll be more than willing to help find a good fit. Whether your son likes cars or sports or anything else, there's going to be some way that you can get your son connected with a great role model. And sometimes those people make the biggest difference in our kids' lives. So as long as your son is in your home, I encourage you to continue to direct him. Don't throw up your hands and just be like, well, he doesn't want to go to church, so he'll do his own thing. No, I say, hey, you're a part of this family. We go to church on Sundays. This is what we do. We read the Bible a certain evening of the week, or we pray before meals. Keep him involved in the things that you value, because this may just be a stage and he will circle back. And if not, you're doing your very best and that's all you can do. And then you continue to pray that God will take care of the rest. Okay, friends, I would love to pray for you um, before we close, and then I'm going to mention a couple more resources that I will have. This one's kind of packed with resources, so I hope you can visit the show notes at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 151. We're going to have some resources over there, and I'll, I'll name a couple more for you. But first, let me say a quick prayer for you and your sons. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for every woman listening, and thank you for the kids and the families that they represent. God, this is an important topic. This is an important chapter in my book. And I pray that everyone listening is encouraged and inspired to walk closely with you, to spend time with you, to become more like you so that they can model that to their kids. Also to have wisdom and insight and the strength to communicate um, spiritual things to their children, to their families well. And I pray for those boys, for all the kids represented here that they would have hearts that are soft and open, that they would want to know you, Lord, that they would see the things of this world as distasteful, that they would not be drawn to things of this world, but they would be drawn to you and a personal relationship with you, and that their lives would um, be shaped and molded by your spirit as they grow up and just become more and more like you. So I pray that um, these moms would just have everything they need to lead their sons well. I pray for the dads that they would be involved, that they would be um, just doing their job the best they can to be leaders. And I pray that these families would be bright lights in their communities. God, give us wisdom, give us strength, and help us to not grow weary in doing good, for we know that we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, friends, um, two more quick resources I want to tell you about. One, I'll have a link to in show notes. I like using the website Stand to Reason. It's str.org. That's helpful in tackling some of the tough questions about faith that might come up with your kids. Also, I'm going to go ahead and share a PDF in the resources. It's something that I created for my book, but it has a prayer and Bible journaling template. Just a simple prayer template to get you started and also a Bible journaling template that I've loved and I've used with my kids. You might want to use these for yourself and for your children as well, but I hope those are real helpful to you. So visit show notes. And if you have any friends that you think would enjoy this episode, I hope you'll share it with them. Let them know that I'm talking about raising sons of faith. And I do think most of this applies to daughters just as well. So spread the word about this episode. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.